This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. But yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Friday, November 16th. This is episode 228. I'm Dan. I have a... a I have a full-fledged full beard now. Yes, you do. And it's it's even kind of brooming out to the side on on this side. Mm-hmm. Your mustache is all the way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been trimming it because I can't, I can't, like, that's the only thing I've really trimmed so far is the mustache, because I can't have hair in my mouth all the yeah. fucking time. That's how you have it. You'd have it before, too. Mm-hmm. You would cut, yeah. cut it short like that. Yeah. Well, not short, but. Yeah, well, just above my lip. Mm-hmm. So that I don't constantly have hair in my mouth. Uh, no Ryan this evening. He's apparently tired from filming all day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Poor guy, lugging around cameras and stuff. It's, it's a rough life. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm here in the studio with Matt. Matt is sitting in Ryan's seat, so I guess maybe that means you're gonna misspeak a few times. I did last time I was say over some, here. Say something weird. <laughs> Uh, we've got a bunch of fun things. Well, well, not fun things. We've got a bunch of interesting things coming up on the show tonight. Uh, what have you been doing over the last week? Uh, I had a thought prepared and, and I forgot it. Oh yeah. But, um, the gist is this. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking that with Trump's push against dissenting opinions and news media and whatever, um, and his big fake news campaign and everything. I mean, pe- people on the right were pretty much exclusively getting their news from Fox to begin with without looking anywhere else. Mm. Um, but it's kind of gotten to the point now where if something is definitely false that Fox is reporting, mm. that just becomes known that that's false, those people are more likely to believe a worldwide conspiracy rather than Fox was wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the big dangerous things, I think, is about what Trump is doing. Oh, yeah. Well, he's he's just fucking, I, he's poisoning everything. Mm-hmm. He, he's like religion that way. Yeah. Everything, he just, he just fucking poisons everything. I, I saw an article, well, I read an article earlier today talking about, you know, it's going to take decades to clean up all of the fucking toxic sludge that he's been slinging just out of his mouth Mm -hmm. from all of the cabinet appointments that he's done, all Mm -hmm. of the uh, appointments to federal agencies that he's made, all of the regulations that he's rolled back. And then just, you know, his negative contributions to the general discourse. It's just, it's a fucking toxic environment. Decades is being generous because it would take decades if all we had was a string of democratic presidents for the next you know, a few times in a row, mm-hmm. it would still take decades then. Mm-hmm. But I think if we're going to continue this pattern of switching roughly every other, you know, four, eight years, four to eight years, yeah. the Republican presidents aren't going to do anything about it. So mm-hmm. whatever regulate, they're not going to add more regulations. So, you know, all the, all that kind of stuff is just going to be sitting, you know, waiting for the next Democrat 
to come try to, which means that the Democrats are going to have a lot harder time making any real progress or headway because mm -hmm. they're going to be starting from way back. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be uh, the rest of our lives for sure. Yeah. Thanks, non-voters and people who voted third party and people who voted for Trump. Like you, you've, you've done a great job yep. making, making the uh, swamp that he was going to drain a fucking hazardous waste site. I think that was part of the article. They, they, they said that basically he's turned America, mm -hmm. the entire country into a Superfund site because it's going to take so long to clean up and it's so fucking toxic. Everything that he's done and everything, everything that he touches is turned to shit. Basically, he has the, the opposite of the Midas touch. I don't know what that would be. I guess it's the Trump touch. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Uh, where, where you dress everything in gold, but it smells like shit. <laughs> Shiny shit everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, so I finished my, the lighting project that I've been talking about for a few weeks. You're the lighting project? Yes. Yes. I, I finished, I finished what I was doing, but it, it didn't turn out as planned. Like I had, I had bought all these supplies, bought all these parts to rebuild these fucking lights. and. I was really excited about it. Tracy's daughter, Danica, was over here. I was showing them, you know, exactly what I've got to do with these old ceramic lights and how to rebuild them and everything. And I'm trying to adjust the lamp fitter insert for all the wiring and everything that actually runs in the light fixture itself. And so I'm showing them all of that and I'm trying to thread the wires through and I'm standing in the kitchen doing this over the, the counter there. And I dropped it seriously, dude. It was like maybe six inches, maybe a six inch drop as I'm, as I'm doing this. And I fumbled it and it hit the counter and fucking broke one of the light fixtures. And I was like, motherfucker, after like almost a year of trying to figure out what we were going to do and then deciding to rebuild them and then ordering, you know, all the different lampshades, all the different fucking fitters to, to put in there as replacements for the one shade that was broken that we couldn't find a replacement for and that sucks man yeah it was fucking I, w I was so fucking mad and uh just i i told tracy i'm like okay well i guess that solves that problem i'm not gonna fix these fucking piece of shit lights now <laughs> they're fucking going in the garbage i'm fucking done if you want to get them fixed then you're gonna have to do like i was just fucking mad and she's like okay 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 and so then yeah, I just said if if you want these in the bathroom, then they're you're gonna have to do it or have somebody else do it because I'm just fucking done at this point. Like, there we can't get another replacement for like these things aren't made anywhere else. Yeah. They're not. They don't exist anywhere that you can purchase them. And the thing you know, and where I broke it was like right along where the screws go in to mount it to the wall. Mm -hmm. So even if we were to try to super glue it and put back every tiny little fucking speck of dust that we could find to make it, you know, look as good as possible. It's going to break as soon as I try to cinch it tight to the wall. And then knowing that we're going to be remodeling that bathroom sometime in the future and taking the paper off and everything, I'm going to have to take them down and try to remount them. I'm like, it's just, it's not going to last. It's yeah. not, it's not a tenable situation. So we went to several different hardware stores looking for different lights found the ones we wanted and we need four and they had three. So then the next day I had to go to another hardware store, walked in there. They were totally unhelpful. 
they were supposed to have the light I needed. They didn't had, and then I traveled clear out to fucking West Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the, I went to the Lowe's on like, it's like 5,600 West and mm-hmm. 49th South or something like, like clear the fuck out <laughs> there and grabbed, you know, grabbed another light, brought it home, but I had all four lights installed, done bathroom, cleaned up and everything in under two hours after spending like a year dealing oh, wow. with these other fucking lights. And the ones we got are, are really nice. I, I, I dig them. They're, and they're LED, like the whole fixture is LED. There's no bulb to replace or anything. So, hmm. and they're supposed to last, I don't know, 27 years or something. Hopefully they will. So they don't have to try to worry about replacing them again in the near future. But I'm just, I'm fucking glad it's done and they look nice. And yeah, I, I kind of, I lost my, <clears throat> I lost my temper when it, when it broke. Cause it was just, Seriously, like a year of dealing with this shit and came crashing down in a six inch drop onto the fucking counter. Yeah. I was so mad. I can understand. <laughs> uh, also, I've been listening to the Rachel Maddow shows, uh, or Rachel Maddow's new podcast called Bagman about the Trump or not Trump administration, <laughs> basically the Trump administration. Yeah. It's about the Nixon administration and Watergate. And it's, it's a really cool show. I, I had no idea how fucking corrupt even the vice president was. And it had nothing to do with Watergate. Like he had his own scandals going from way back before he was ever even vice president and just continued doing that. And Spiro Agnew was a fucking shitbag as well. The whole, the whole thing was rotten top to bottom, just like the Trump administration. That's the other thing that is kind of striking to me, at least in listening to this is how closely all of this is being mirrored by the Trump administration, just installing, you know, one corrupt official after another and working to protect each other. And it's just a, it's an entirely rotten and corrupt system. And it all starts at the top and then filters down. And it's funny too, because like Republicans want to point at like Bill Clinton and the Monica Lewinsky situation and all that, you know, and whitewater and all that. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, the Nixon administration, Republican, Reagan, the largest deficit increase and the trickle down economic disaster, war on drugs, Iran Contra, Iran Contra, Republican, right? George Bush Sr., Republican, Gulf War, George Bush Jr., we know what a disaster he was, Republican. Well, and, right? and George like, Bush Sr. was involved in. That's why I said Watergate the Gulf too. War. Oh, and, and, and Watergate. Watergate. Yeah. yeah, okay. And trickle down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, the Reagan administration. So like every single presidency they've had since Nixon, at least mm-hmm. probably bef- definitely before, but, um, have been corrupt and fucking awful people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Bill Clinton stuck that cigar up Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> you know, there's that one thing they can point to. Bill Clinton put, put a cigar in Monica Lewinsky's pussy and, and they impeached him for it and got some, got some semen on a dress. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they impeached him for other things as well, but that was, that was the thing that they were like, oh, well, now he's, now he's got to go. You can't just go, you know, strutting around sticking cigars in women's pussies. That's, <laughs> that's not a thing you can do. Right. You can <laughs> only grab them by there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Only grab them by there, assault them, demean them. All of that is fine, but yeah, it, it just, it, it's, it's been really wild listening to that show and just like, Oh man, that's, that's what Trump is doing. Oh uh, yeah. Trump is doing that. That's, that's what's going on in our current administration now. And we've had some news there this week. 
Uh, I wonder just, what podcasters were talking about during the Nick, this Nixon administration. <laughs> I wonder if they sounded like what we s- sound like talking about Trump now. Yeah, all those podcasters that existed back then. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the only podcaster then was Nixon himself and those fucking stupid tapes that ultimately ended up taking him down. Well, him and Jim Jones. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, I, I can't, I can't get over the similarities between it and it's, it's, a little bit surprising, but more disappointing that things are as bad as they are now. And it seems like there's not really any end in sight. But uh, just today, well, actually, it was last night I, I saw and posted a headline for a story from the New York Times that Julian Assange of WikiLeaks fame has had a criminal indictment handed down against him. And apparently, so after after I found that out last night, read the story, posted it, found out today that it was a big oopsie that that was even published, that that it was supposed to be a sealed indictment, but there were apparently some copy and paste errors in the final paperwork. Um, part of part of which was saying that the only way to to ensure that Julian Assange doesn't find out about this and and you know make it that much more difficult to carry out this prosecution is that we have to have this as a sealed indictment and that was part of the stuff that wasn't under seal so that that got out and now we all know that julian assange is is wrapped up in this and they're looking at roger stone as well which is also awesome because that guy is just a fucking douchebag so lots and lots of news recently everyone is expecting Mueller to drop the hammer since trump installed mike What's his dipshit as the new Whitaker? Uh, yeah, Mike Whitaker as the new acting attorney general replaced the uh, Keebler elf. And <laughs> apparently Whitaker has already been reporting things back to Donald Trump. Speculation is that that's why he has seemed increasingly unhinged as of late. Because he's finding out just how close the Mueller, the Mueller uh, investigation is to both him and other people that he at least pretends to hold dear, other family members. Speculation is that Jared Kushner will be under indictment and uh, Donald Trump Jr. and possibly Eric for some of their actions. So it's about to get even more bumpy and it's going to be pretty nasty, I think. I think. I think Mueller is waiting until he knows that he has undeniable mountains of evidence so that even the most diehard Trump supporter will have, will have to come around and say, no, yeah, he's, he's got to go. He's a fucking crook. He's slimy. Ah, but this assumes that Trump supporters are rational. Yes. And that they would believe anything that doesn't right. confirm the narrative that they want to. Yeah. Hear. This is what I was just saying. Yeah. Uh, the, the, this is the, this is what Trump has been pushing since the very beginning. And that is that nothing but Fox News and Trump can be trusted. So that's what I'm saying. The entire world is wrapped up in a conspiracy against him. Mm-hmm. They'd rather believe they're, they're more willing to believe that than the fact that Trump did this. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen. And the, and the, the fact that Fox News is not reporting well enough on all of this stuff is going to be a huge sucker punch for all these people. When it happens, it's going to appear out of nowhere and they're going to be talking about 
how, you know, the Democrats always get what they want and we need to stand up for this. And, you know, we, we, we're not going to take this sitting, you know, all that it's bullshit. It's all fake news. They're we, just trying to take <clears throat> down the president because they don't like him because he's making America great again. Yeah. We almost had a civil war if, uh, Trump didn't win. Mm-hmm. So now that he's going to, you know, ruin the presidency and parts of the country and then, then leave, we're going to be looking at maybe another one. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to get nasty. And yeah, speaking of Fox News and, and reporters and stuff, we have a story that we'll get to when we come back. Hey, everybody. It's X from the Utah Outcasts podcast and YouTube channel. And you're listening to The Godless Revolution. What is it about society that disappoints you so much? Oh, I don't know. Is it that we collectively thought Steve Jobs was a great man, even when we knew he made billions off the backs of children? Or maybe it's that it feels like all our heroes are counterfeit. The world itself's just one big hoax. Spamming each other with our running commentary bullshit masquerading as insight. Our social media faking as intimacy. Or is it that we voted for this? Not with our rigged elections, but with our things, our property, our money. I'm not saying anything new. We all know why we do this. Not because Hunger Games books makes us happy, but because we want to be sedated. Because it's painful not to pretend. Because we're cowards. Fuck society. Elliot, you're not saying anything. What's wrong? Nothing. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Jim Acosta now has his hard pass back again. I think it's I think it's funny that they call it a hard pass because I'm mm-hmm. like hard but no hard pass. Yeah, hard pass on that. I I didn't think I heard it right the first time, but yeah. Want to talk to the president? No, need a hard pass need, on that. Need a hard pass. <laughs> need a hard pass for that. But apparently, his uh, White House credentials have been restored after. They were mysterious, not mysteriously. It's a mystery as to who revoked his hard pass. Maybe under maybe under Obama, it was an easy pass. <laughs> but now, because it's Trump and CNN, it's a it's hard, a hard pass. pass. Mm-hmm. That could be. That's a real difficult pass. <laughs> uh, but for those of you who may not know, Jim Acosta is a reporter for CNN and is stationed, I guess, or assigned to cover the Trump administration at the White House. So he sits in on the press briefings and everything like that. And there was a there was a uh, particularly contentious uh, interaction between Jim Acosta and President Trump during while while Trump was at the podium himself. And Jim Acosta started asking him a series of difficult questions and Trump just got really petulant about it, told him that he was a bad person, that CNN should be ashamed that mm-hmm. he works for them, that Jim Acosta should, you know, worry about other things, let Donald Trump worry about running the country, and Jim Acosta can worry about running CNN, and then maybe their ratings would get better. Who knows? It was, it was just, it was, it was like Jim Acosta was talking to a 12-year-old who had just done something wrong, and the 12-year-old is going through that 
really shitty teenage phase where they fucking hate everybody and are just really lippy about everything. Is that a teenage phase? It's <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then there was this point during all of this where Trump said, no, you're done. You can't ask any more questions. Put the microphone down. And a young White House staffer came over and tried to take the microphone away from Jim Acosta. Mm -hmm. And this this was a whole other separate controversy apart from Jim Acosta's press pass being revoked was that – She accosted him. Yeah. She, <laughs> she accosted him. But uh, somebody over at – oh, fuck. I think it was InfoWars. Yeah. Somebody from Alex Jones's InfoWars um, sped up certain parts of the video of Jim Acosta – speaking into the microphone and the White House staffer trying to take it away from him. They sped up the part where the staffer tries to pull the microphone away from him and Jim Acosta says, pardon me, ma'am, and, and you know, maintains control, of the maintains control of the microphone. But it looks like he, like, gives her a karate chop because they sped up this, this certain portion of the, of the footage. Oh, geez. And, of course, there's no audio in it. They just made a gif of it that they sent out on Twitter. And posted to their site that then Sarah Huckabee Sanders also tweeted out and said, you know, you can't you can't assault members of the Trump administration and, and our White House staffers and be expected that you're going to keep your press pass and be able to ask questions of the president. Of course, that's not what fucking happened. And the White House's story on why his pass has been revoked has changed. It's, I don't know, shall we say evolved over time. And now. So CNN followed, filed a lawsuit to get the hard pass back for Jim Acosta, and it was actually backed by a bunch of other news outlets, including Fox News, somewhat surprisingly. Um, Fox News filed an amicus brief in support of CNN's lawsuit to restore it, and just today a judge handed down a decision that Jim Acosta should get his press pass back. So he will be heading back to the White House. That'll be a fun thing to see in the next few days if they hold any press briefings and if they will actually call on him for any questions or if they will just try to ignore him shouting questions at them from the gallery. But uh, this story comes to us from the Washington Post. It says that a federal judge on Friday ruled in favor of CNN and reporter Jim Acosta in a dispute with President Trump, ordering the White House to temporarily restore the press credentials that the administration had taken away from Acosta last week. In a victory for the cable network and for press access generally, U.S. District Judge Timothy J. Kelly, who was appointed by none other than Donald J. Trump, granted CNN's motion for a temporary restraining order that will prevent the administration from keeping Acosta off the White House grounds. The White House revoked the reporter's press pass last week after a heated exchange between him and Trump and a brief altercation with a press aide at a news conference. Acosta, CNN's chief White House correspondent, is the first reporter with a hard pass granting White House access to be banned. This has never before happened. It's the first time any, admin, any, any administration has banned a reporter. CNN sued Trump and other White House officials Tuesday over the revocation. Kelly's ruling was the, was the result of the first legal skirmish in that lawsuit. It has the immediate effect of sending Acosta back to the White House pending further arguments and a possible trial. The litigation is in its early stages, and a trial could be months away. Hours after the judge's decision, Acosta resumed his post at the White House. Kelly, whom Trump appointed to the federal bench last year, handed down his ruling two days after the network and government lawyers 
argued over whether the president had the power to revoke a reporter's access. In explaining his decision, Kelly said he agreed with the government's argument that there was no First Amendment right to come onto the White House grounds, but, he said, once the White House opened up the grounds to reporters, the First Amendment applied. Basically then, you know, all reporters should be welcome or able. Or nearly all. Kelly's ruling, however, primarily emphasized evidence indicating that white that <laughs> pardon me. Kelly's ruling, however, primarily emphasized evidence indicating that the White House's decision to boot Acosta had violated the Fifth Amendment, which guarantees due process and government actions. He said the White House's decision making was, quote, so shrouded in mystery that the government could not tell me who made the decision. The White, House's the White House's later written arguments for banning Acosta were belated and were not sufficient to satisfy due process, Kelly said. Quote, we are gratified with the result and look forward to a full resolution in the coming days, CNN said in a statement. Our sincere thanks to all, have, to all who have supported not just CNN, but a free, strong, and independent American press. Acosta added, I just want to thank all my colleagues in the press who supported me this week. I want to thank the judge for his ruling, and let's go back to work. In comments made in the Oval Office afterward, Trump said the White House would write rules to satisfy the court's due process concerns. He also suggested his administration would keep up the legal fight with CNN. We'll end up back in court and we will win, he said. We want total freedom of the press, Trump said. But you have to act with respect when you're at the White House. And when I see the way some people in my, of my people get treated at news conferences, it's terrible. So we're setting up a certain standard, which is what the court is requesting. He added, we always have the option of leaving and the other media and press in the room won't be happy. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders said in a statement after the ruling that, quote, the court made that. The court made clear that there is no absolute First Amendment right to access to the White House. Although the judge actually said reporters have such rights once admitted. Sanders announced Acosta's indefinite suspension last week after the confrontation at the news conference. Trump and Sanders have had several run-ins with Acosta, stretching back to the time before Trump became president. Acosta watched Friday's proceedings from the courtroom in Washington, joined by a team of attorneys who included Theodore B. Olson, a former solicitor, solicitor general in George W. Bush's administration, and Theodore Boutros, a star litigator and media law specialist. CNN had argued that the ban on Acosta violated his First Amendment rights because it amounted to viewpoint discrimination. That is, the president was pushing the reporter for statements and coverage he did not like, or punishing the reporter. The network has also said the action violated Acosta's Fifth Amendment rights because his exclusion followed no written guidelines or rules and had no appeal or review procedures. CNN had requested emergency relief from the judge, arguing that Acosta's rights were being violated with each passing hour. Until the White House's action last week, no reporter credentialed to cover the president had ever had a, had a press pass revoked. A government attorney, James Burnham, argued in a hearing before Kelly on Wednesday that the president was within his rights to ban any reporter from the White House at any time, just as he excludes reporters from interviews in the Oval Office. He said Acosta could report on the president just as effectively by watching the president on TV or by calling people within the White House. Burnham also said CNN would not be injured by Acosta's exclusion since CNN has dozens of other journalists credentialed for the White House. Burnham said Trump's rationale for Acosta's ban was his rudeness at last week's news conference. 
in effect arguing that Acosta's conduct, not his freedom of not his right to free speech, was the relevant issue. And the story continues and says the assertions drew a rebuttal from Boutros, CNN's attorney, who described the ban on the reporter as arbitrary, capricious, and unprecedented. He said that White House reporters need access to the premises, meet with officials, and to report on untelevised gaggles, impromptu discussions with with press aides and other officials, and that banning reporters from the grounds harms their ability to do their jobs. Media organizations have been alarmed by the White House's treatment of Acosta, saying that revoking his hard pass to enter the White House is a threat to other journalists who might be similarly banned. Trump has suggested other reporters could face a similar fate if they displease him in some unspecified way. Thirteen news organizations, including the Washington Post and Fox News, jointly filed a friend-of-the-court brief supporting CNN's position. That's the amicus brief that I mentioned earlier. The White House's Correspondence Association, which represents journalists in their negotiations over access to the president, filed a brief Thursday that urged the court, quote, to roundly reject the president's dangerous legal position. It disputed the government's claim that the president has absolute unbridled discretion to decide who can report from inside the White House. During the presidential campaign in 2015 and 2016, Trump banned more than a dozen news organizations from his rallies and public events, including the Post. He said he would not do something similar as president. Last week, he went back on that statement. Surprise, surprise. Donald Trump fucking lied about something. Trump's 2020 re-election campaign has used the CNN lawsuit to drum up contributions, portraying the suit as evidence of liberal bias, an assertion Boutros brought up Wednesday in asserting that Trump had political reasons for banning Acosta. Quote, CNN is suing President Trump, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, a Secret Service agent, and other White House officials, the fundraiser email says, all because they revoked Jim Acosta's press badge after his continuous grandstanding and inappropriate refusal to yield to other reporters. President Trump will not put up with the media's liberal bias and utter disrespect for this administration and the hardworking Americans who stand with us. (sighs) All the hardworking Americans that he's fucking over with his trade war, with his tariffs. Yeah, all of those people that voted for him that he's fucking over time and time again. And for some reason, so many of them are still staunch, staunch supporters of him. Well, because he said he'd bring coal back. Oh, right. I don't know how that'll, I don't know how that'll help soybean farmers, but (laughs) yeah, it's, I I'm, I'm very happy that he got his press pass back. Uh, I think there could be an argument made that Acosta was, impertinent that he perhaps was not exercising all of the decorum that one would necessarily expect from a reporter but good thing obama didn't have to ever deal with that right yeah yeah but you know it's it's way past the time when the people that we use as the vanguard against a lot of the illegal things that the Trump administration is doing stood up to the president and and actually pressed him hard with a lot of difficult questions that he's not going to be fucking happy about. And that was the whole thing Acosta was doing, was asking Trump questions about the Mueller investigation and if he's concerned about indictments that, that you know, may be coming any day now. And that's when Trump lost it. And he's like, no, you're done. You're done. No more questions from you. Sit down. Be quiet. 
And I think it's pretty clear that the the new acting AG is feeding information to the Trump administration, Trump himself, I'm sure, which is another thing that he fucking lied about. Trump Trump lied and said that he had no idea who, not that he had no idea who, I've never met him, I don't know, I didn't know who he was, I, I, but I hear great things, he's very, he's very highly regarded, he's got a great reputation, and that's complete and utter bullshit. He'd had more than a dozen meetings in the Oval Office, so... I guess we shouldn't be too surprised about President Trump lying about things. Especially about meetings with people. Oh, yeah. Particularly about meetings with people. Which brings me to another story that we have here, also from the Washington Post. It says that it's easy to fact check Trump's lies. He tells the same ones all the time. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. And within the article, it also had uh, links to a couple fantastic places that are tracking all of Donald Trump's lies. Uh, one of them is the Washington Post itself, and the other is the Toronto Star. Um, the Washington Post says that in 649 days, President Trump has made 6,420 false or misleading claims. And it has a graph just below that that shows basically in exponential increase in the number of lies that he's repeating. And he repeats the same ones over and over and over. It's pretty cool. They've set up a database. You can check it by date. You can search by topic, whether it's, you know, guns, foreign policy, taxes, elections, uh, the environment, or from the source, whether he's tweeted something out, he said it in an interview or said it during a rally. Um, yeah, it's it's a great source for that. The other one, like I said, is from the Toronto Star. It has a different number on the number of falsehoods that the president has told. It now says 3,749, and that was last updated yesterday. So. Well, this one doesn't doesn't include misleading. Oh, so this is just the purely false. Okay. I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the other yeah, one, the other one said false or misleading, right? Yeah, false or misleading yeah. on the Washington Post. This one just says false, false things. Mm -hmm. So about half, yeah, a little more than half. Yeah. So what is that? That's let's see, three thousand seven hundred forty-nine over. Let's let's pull up the calculator here. Dun dun dun! Filling time while I'm <laughs> mumbling and typing. <laughs> what was the, what was the number three? Let's see. Yeah, I don't remember offhand. 3,749 divided by 649 is an average of almost six lies per day. Almost six lies per day that are easily tracked and set in databases where people can go and find all of the different lies that he's telling all the time. If they are so inclined, but if you're a Trump supporter, you're probably not so inclined and you'll just let him continue being the shitbag that he is well no this is these are both liberal media oh uh, so they're biased yeah and that's why they can't get their story straight fake news <laughs> yeah they're both they're, they're reporting different lying. numbers yeah. it doesn't matter that they're both in the thousands <laughs> it's it's fake news you shouldn't believe it it's mm -hmm. fake news sit down be quiet it's really frustrating it's got to be super fucking frustrating as a reporter to try to do any kind of real reporting on this presidency because there's 
there's so many balls in the air, yeah. right? Like you're you're spinning so many different plates tracking all of the different bullshit that's going on, all of the appointments, all of the corruption from like I mentioned earlier, appointing different people to be the heads of agencies, appointing people who sue the EPA and use that as a bragging right when they're running for various offices and then, and then installing Scott Pruitt as the head of the EPA, who then was fucking incredibly corrupt and was basically forced out of office because he, he was so corrupt that even Trump had to acknowledge, okay, well, you know, I think you're doing a good job, but a lot of people are complaining. A lot of people, a lot of people say, a lot of people say you're corrupt. It's what people are saying. And so now you got to go. It's, and then, yeah, I just, I, I, it, the day that he's removed from office can't come soon enough. It's, it's already almost two years past the time that it should have happened. I hope it's like, uh, Gaddafi style removal. Oh yeah. Where, where people find him and what do you stab him in the asshole? Yeah. Sticks, <laughs> shiv him in the butt a bunch. That's yeah. That's, uh, did happen to Gaddafi. That was, that was, that was particularly brutal. I would be happy just seeing him in an orange jumpsuit, you know, something <laughs> that would go with his hair and I complexion. think you mean, uh, Trump camo. Yeah. Yeah. Trump camo behind bars, I think would be fucking awesome. He'll never go to prison. That would make my day. You know what I I worry about is that now with this new meathead that's the acting AG, that he's reporting everything back to Trump, and Trump is just preparing all of the paperwork to, to offer pardons to everybody who may be facing indictment. He'll pardon all of them, and maybe he'll be impeached. But then once he's impeached, Pence will step in, pardon him. It's just... I mean, that's what happened with fucking Nixon. You know, Nixon is in, Nixon was just about to be impeached, would have been removed from office, I'm sure, but he resigned. And then the guy who steps in behind him pardons him. So there's really no consequences other than that he was out of a job for all of the harms that he had done, all of the corrupt rampant shit that was going on. Really no consequences. I mean, sure, there were other people who went to jail, other people below him, other people that he installed, other people that were prop, that were put in as props to help him maintain power and continue the cycle of corruption. A lot of them went to jail, but for the guy leading it all, no, he just, he just lost a job. Yep. Lost a job and, and some, and, and was a national disgrace. It's our system. And Donald Trump is already a national disgrace, so the only thing that's left is for him to lose a job. But it's not even like it's a job that he fucking does all the time, right? I mean, he's taken so many vacation days, he golfs all the fucking time. Well, and he never got he never got rid of his other business interests. He'll just jump right back into that. Yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll continue doing that. And, and, and doing that illegally, too. And profiting off of that from all of the shady shit that's been going on while he's been in the while he's been the commander yeah. in chief. Yeah, all the laws and Everything that he's put in place to help out billionaires. Yeah, all of the things that basically go against the emoluments clause mm -hmm. that that he's just, no, I don't need to follow that. I'm the president now. I just haven't seen a more corrupt administration in the United States of America, at least in my lifetime, and we, for sure. And we saw George W. Bush. Yeah, we saw George W. Bush. I was alive when Nixon was removed from office, but I was... A teeny tiny little wee one. I don't, I, you know, I didn't, 
have any idea what was going on. I don't, I don't, I'm sure I was saying words and maybe sentences, but I think I was only two maybe when he was removed from office hmm. or yeah. Yeah. But I, I just, I'm so fed up and frustrated and it's, it's systemic and it's infecting everything. Um, uh, Republicans have been trying to disenfranchise people's voting rights. Yep. They're, they're doing everything they can to make sure that, you know, poor people and minorities aren't able to vote as easily as everybody else. In, in poor districts, they restrict the number of voting machines, the number of polling locations. They pass voter ID uh, laws that say that you have to have a photo ID issued by the state. You know, your signature has to match. You have to have a an actual physical address where you can have things mailed to you. All of these things are are put in place to disenfranchise the most vulnerable among us, the people that the Republicans don't give a fuck about because they're not going to be able to contribute to the campaigns. They're not going to be able to, to keep them in power. And in fact, if they had the vote, would more easily be able to remove these corrupt fucking shitheads from the power that they currently have. Yes. Which is why you all need to vote and <laughs> not vote Republican. Please, unless you're just insane or want to see the world burn. And if, you, if that's all you want, then just go burn yourself somewhere quietly by yourself. Don't, don't involve and harm other people. But that's not watching the world burn, Dan. That's just oh, right. watching me burn. You could get you could get like a a really close up view of burning, and and it, maybe it would just look like the world's burning as you <laughs> as you smolder and pass <laughs> through the, away through the flames. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That would be good for everybody. I think. This is Danielle Moscato, civil rights activist, trans woman, extraordinaire, and public speaker. You are listening to Godless Revolution, and I hope you enjoy the show. What are we talking about here? You want us to launch a cryptocurrency? I do. The fact that people are willing to pay many multiples more for our compute credits than they're worth, we have an opportunity here. Worth is relative, Richard. What do you mean? Why do people covet the silly pieces of green cotton paper in their wallets? It's because we are all sheep, and we've mutually agreed to endow certain things with value. And right now, for some reason, the market values our credits more than we did. Guilfoyle, we're not going to suddenly pivot and become a digital currency company. I'm not proposing a pivot. I'm proposing that we sell digital currency as a way to finance our new internet company. You wanted an alternative to Lori Bream? Well, it's right here in front of you. Pied Piper coin. Okay, look, I, I'm not gonna bet the entire future of my new internet and everything I've worked for on becoming the next Bitcoin. You really expect me to do that? There are very few things that I will defend with true passion. Medical marijuana, the biblical Satan as a metaphor for rebellion against tyranny, and motherfucking goddamn cryptocurrency. Mm. I have a PowerPoint that I've been wanting to show you for some time. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. Okay, Matt. Well, okay, Dan. What did you, what did you bring for us this week? I wasn't expecting that uh, <laughs> coming out of the break. Uh, this comes from the religious news service. Are you reading from an electronic device? No, shut up. What <laughs> is going on over here? <laughs> yeah, I thought it, 
I thought it made sense for this week. Wow. Uh, this is from Simran Jeet Singh. He's a professor. A professor of what? I don't know. He just professes things. Yeah, he's he's a he's a, likes to profess things. <laughs> well, good for him. <laughs> um. Yeah. So this is just uh, an article he wrote for RNS. Uh, last what month, is, I'm sorry. What's RNS? Is that oh, religious, religious news okay. service? Okay. Which I said before I. That's right. So stupidly commented that he was a professor. <laughs> uh, last month, after a gunman entered a Pittsburgh synagogue, yelled anti-Semitic hate speech and opened fire on the congregation, killing 11 people, many responded with a message that was both defiant and hopeful. This is not the America I know. While I understand the intention behind such cliches, I also think it's time for us to move beyond that and face reality. The massacre in Pittsburgh is, unfortunately, precisely the America we all know. Today, the FBI released its 2017 annual report on hate crimes in America, and the data is simultaneously astounding and unsurprising. Hate crimes are up for the third year in a row, with 7,175 reported last year, representing a 16.7% rise from the previous year, the second highest increase since the FBI started tracking hate crimes. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm trying to think. I, I read another article that gave a percentage on all of the different type, all of the increases in different types of crime, mm-hmm. basically around hate, like uh, anti-Semitic crime, uh, racially based crime. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting to see that it's risen the most over the last three years. Mm-hmm. In the, which is basically the campaign season and then the last uh-huh. two years of Trump's presidency. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The total number of incidents on the basis of religious identity rose by 23% in 2017. Anti-Jewish incidents surged by 37% and anti-Muslim hate crimes are still far above historical averages. The official count of anti-Sikh hate crime offenses increased 243% from 7 in 2016 to 24. That doesn't make sense. In 2017. No, that's what it says. Uh, The official, wait, no, that is right. Yeah, that's right. The official statistics come as no surprise. What? Are you having having math issues now too, since you're sitting in Ryan's seat? Yes. (laughs) It's a percentage, (laughs) goddammit. How can I be expected to know a percentage from this seat? Uh, I see. I I should have known better. (laughs) You come sit over here and try percentages. It's actually damn hard. It's the, it's the lighting, isn't it? <laughs> also, while we're talking about math and this seat, um, uh-huh. the fucking percentage that he's got his seat elevated uh-huh. for being the tallest of us three makes no sense to me. <laughs> is it low? Why is the seat so high? Oh, is it high? Yeah, I'm like taller than you and yeah, and I'm not taller than you. <laughs> like Ryan's the tallest one and his seat's jacked all the way up. There's a, there's a guy that I work with who's like, I don't know, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And he puts his seat so fucking low. Like, I don't, like, I would think. Oh, like, yeah, I guess that does make sense. Yeah, huh? like the would, long legs. Yeah. Right, yeah. You would think the taller okay. you are, the higher your seat should go. But this this guy that I work with puts his seat so, like, he puts every chair all the way down and then leans it way back. Mm. And it's like, I, I don't I don't know how he sits in it or gets out of it once, once he's done. Because it's so low. Anyway. Because it's so low. 
The official statistics come as no surprise to those who experience such marginalization personally or who work on these issues professionally. They reflect a climate of growing hate that is uh, that is emboldened and indeed enacted by those at the top. To say it a bit more directly, this is Trump's America. Mm-hmm. It seems silly to remark that these statistics indicate a concerning reg- uh, regression on racial and religious understanding in our society. Though, uh, given where we are right now, it somehow feels prudent to make that statement and keep repeating it. What's even more concerning is the point that civil rights organizations across the country have been making. The hate crime data collected by the FBI only represents the tip of the iceberg. A number of problems with the collection of relevant data leads to vast underreporting. Yeah, well, this doesn't this doesn't take into account all of the daily interactions that people have with each other, right? Just all of the wild fucking YouTube shit that we see where some dipshit at a fucking Walmart starts screaming at somebody because they're speaking Spanish or, you know, things of that nature that, that aren't actually reported as a crime, but are still happening in increased numbers nonetheless. Yeah. And all of the comments underneath this article, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for instance, hate crime laws vary from state to state without a standard definition for what constitutes a hate crime and how authorities deal with them. Uh, when they occur, collecting statistics is like trying to put together a a puzzle with pieces from different puzzle sets. The pieces don't fit together neatly, and even when we force them together, the final result doesn't represent an accurate picture. This is why we need to standardize the laws across states to bring coherence and accuracy. Moreover, there are still five states that do not have hate crime statutes, Arkansas, Georgia, Indiana, South Carolina, and Wyoming. I found this news shocking when I first learned of it, in part because of the source who brought this to my attention. In 1998, homophobes in Wyoming beat, tortured, and murdered a young gay man named Matthew Shepard in one of the most prominent anti-gay hate crimes in American history. However, because Wyoming did not have a hate crime statute in place at the time, the murder was not classified as anti-gay hate crime. When I heard Judy... Jesus. (laughs) Judy Jesus. (laughs) When I heard Judy Shepard, Matthew's mother, speak in New York City earlier this year about the problem of hate violence in America, she was asked by asked by someone in the audience what pe- what people could do. Okay. <laughs> Didn't look right. She was asked by someone in the audience what people ah. <laughs> uh, could do. She made one simple ask. Help us ensure that every state finally passes a hate crime statute. It had been 20 years since the murder of her son, and for those 20 years, Matthew's parents had toured the country, imploring the country, imploring the country to pass this legislation. It's time we made that happen. This matters because we only have an illusion of accurately understanding the problem of hate in America. We need better numbers to better understand hate. And for better statistics, we need better reporting methods and legislation. Another problem that leads to underreporting is that many of those who are the most vulnerable to hate crimes don't know how or don't know comfortable or don't feel comfortable reporting them to authorities some don't speak english some decline to report because of their immigration status fearing deportation mm-hmm. others mistrust the police based on previous experiences at home or abroad this mistrust is understandable of course when we recognize that those most often targeted by hate are also the most vulnerable to police mistreatment The FBI statistics are also flawed because no state requires local law enforcement to report hate crimes to the FBI when they document them. 
This means that the data represented in the official FBI statistics does not account for all the hate crimes reported throughout the country. In the just-released report, only 12.6% of police agencies participating in the FBI hate crime statistics program actually reported data. (laughs) 12.6%. Wow. This means that numbers from nearly 90% of law enforcement agencies are not included. What's What's not included in this report, in other words, is more damning than what is. And not only the missing statistics themselves, the underreporting of hate crime arises from all of us not, not wanting to know, not wanting to hear from those who suffer the most. This may not be the America we want to know, but to get the America we want or think we've lost, the first step is to acknowledge what we've become. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, is it something that we've become or something that is just becoming more obvious to us? Maybe. But, I mean, even by those numbers, there have been increases yeah. in hate crimes, at least over the last three years, for sure. Well, and that's that's the thing that, that has me really bummed out about the whole deal, right, is that is is just the knowledge that this has always been around here. And it's it's my privilege as as a large white guy that i don't usually get hassled right right i i speak our native language fairly well most of the time i'm not brown i'm not black i'm not a woman i'm the only minority group that i belong to really well of of any consequence anyway i mean sure i'm colorblind and and a redhead and and those <laughs> those things are usually you know picked on by a bunch of people but the only other minority that I belong to really is is that of being a non-believer here in the United States. And sure, you know, we've traditionally been shit on, but it, it's, it's something that isn't really readily apparent to most people, right? That, yeah. Like, you don't, you don't have the word atheist tattooed on your forehead. Most people don't. I'm sure they're are a few exceptions out there in the wild, but it's something that we don't have to acknowledge and that other people won't be aware of unless we let them know. But there's no way to hide being a brown person or being a black person or or necessarily being a woman. It's it's these immutable characteristics that people can easily identify and then pick on people for and and dehumanize them. And it's really disconcerting that this has apparently always existed and people are just now feeling more emboldened to be like, Oh yeah, fuck. I can speak my mind about how much I hate these other people that aren't like me. Yeah. The, the, the second that straight white Christian men get the permission to, they do it. Yeah. Yeah. That it's always just been lurking there just below the Mm -hmm. surface. And now they feel emboldened and feel like, yeah, like you said that they have permission in order to do these to do and say these things, which is, which is why they've been so anti PC all these years, mm-hmm. which is why when Trump came along, Oh, he's a straight shooter. He speaks. A, they had never had anything to do with being, uh, you, you know, we were always like, what do they have? What do they find in common there when they, you know, we'd always see them. Oh, he's, he's just like us, you know, well, like your mil- your billionaire next door. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that wasn't it. That was never it. It was that he's a racist fucking asshole. And that was going to give unapologetic racist. Yeah. Right. Which is, 
which is what got him the the respect of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just that it's that he's unapologetic about being a giant fucking douchebag about all this, and takes the the PC slash SJW people to task over it, as if being a kinder, nicer person is somehow something to be mocked and something to not and, and something to be denigrated in the first place. Like I, I don't understand why. Why, why people use the term SJW as a pejorative, as if that's something that we should be ashamed of or mocked for being more accepting of those who don't fit our tribe, right? And then to say that the, the SJWs are being tribal, that just, it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. You can't, you can't say that somebody is being PC and an SJW and it's because of tribalism. Because in order to do that, you're pointing out that, see, they're trying to identify people who are outside their tribe, and that's a tribe itself. That just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I've had way too many fucking people recently that I've gotten into arguments with online that it, it and I'm sure it's because of Trump and all of his bullshit. Oh, yeah, you fucking SJW type PC assholes. Everybody's fucking sick and tired of that. No, it's not everybody. It's the people that have always been assholes. And are now feeling more emboldened to be an even bigger asshole and to be more public about it and louder about it. Yeah, decent people have always been around. Yeah. <laughs> Although that might be another minority you belong to. Uh, but a, a decent person. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but uh I I just I just think that for at least for the last few presidencies, even into Reagan, what I can remember of it. Even assholes were pretending to be decent. They were at least, mm-hmm. you know, faking it in they, public to yeah. get by and stuff. And that's how, that's how it, you know, being that that was that was what was expected. But yeah, it yeah. Wasn't Trump comes along. Acceptable. Trump comes along and just says, "Why are we doing this? Why are we? Why are we? You know, this all the stress of acting all the time. He's just taking all that off. He's like, yeah. no, fuck, just go out there and be shitty, just like you are. Yeah." Just be your normal shitty human being self. Don't don't try to take into account the the struggles that other people have to deal with, the disadvantages that they have in their lives just because of where they were born or who they were born to or the the color skin they were born with or the the sexual preferences that they have, the sexual identities that they have. None of that should matter because they're different from you. And if you, and if they're different from you, then you should be able to point at it and mock them as being less human than you are. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's, it, it, it's just so disconcerting and, and bothering to me on a deeply personal level that I had, I guess, these rose tinted glasses on for so long that I thought, oh no, the world is getting better. That's a colorblind thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I've, I've thought, no, we're making some real progress. This is, you know, things are getting better incrementally, not nearly as fast as I would like them to to happen. But yes, the world is getting better. And then along came Trump and the world has just kind of gone to shit under his administration because assholes feel like they can just be assholes again. It's It's not making America great again. It's making assholes great again. That's the new MAGA. Well, yeah, I guess. But it's making them worse too. 
making them worse to everybody else, but not in their own eyes. I mean, for them, it's just, well, now I can be free to be the asshole I've always been. Well, I think for them too, though, because I mean, I think, I think even if, even if that's your natural state, Mm -hmm. trying to pretend to be better to at least, even if it's just social pressure, isn't going to be alienating people that are around you. It's not going to be, I mean, these are angry, angry people, Mm -hmm. right? Constantly. Mm -hmm. So at least in that, in, in, in that sense, while they're at least faking it, there's normal conversations being had. You there's know, less there's, drama in their yeah, lives. Yeah, there's, there's a yeah. lot less confrontation and 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 they could at least feel like they're getting along, even though they have these internal struggles. Where now everything sucks. Mm-hmm. Everything's the worst. You just immediately start yelling and swearing at other people that don't you know agree with you right off the bat. Mm-hmm. That's gotta be miserable for everybody. Trump is not a happy person. Oh no, yeah. You know, and I can't, I can't imagine that people who live like that are either. You would think, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a really tough one because you would think that if the actions you're performing and the things that you're saying are making you unhappy, that you would just choose to stop doing that. And I say that, I say that knowing that that may sound a little bit of a, that may sound like a little bit of of a contradiction, me who doesn't believe that you have free will to choose these types of things, but you do, you do have the power to take in input, to take input from other people and consider that. And it can alter your path going forward, right? It's not going to change everything that led up to who you are at that moment, but you can still receive that information and it can change you. And we see that people have changed over time. I was a shitty fucking person when I was younger. You know, when I was a, when I was a teenager and in my early twenties, I was, I was a little bit racist. I was definitely, uh, very sexist. I was ageist. I was, there were, there were all, there were all kinds of things that I was a fucking asshole about. And it's because, you know, I was, I was just a bro guy. <laughs> you know, I was I was a sporty kind of dickhead about a bunch of different things and over time I've learned a lot more and and you know, had an open mind and had my mind changed and affected by the people around me and I just can't imagine wanting to hang out with people that are always assholes. You know, Taylor had mentioned that one of the things that people uh need is is, you know, a community but why would you want That's to debatable but why <laughs> but why would you want to be in a community of assholes unless you're an asshole yourself and then how do you get out of of that particular frame of mind of <laughs> you know, I don't give a fuck about anybody else you know you're in an atheist group right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i i mean i'm just the reason why I, I just say that because christians would say the same thing about that right why would you why would you want to surround yourself by uh, uh, with such negativity yeah but i think i think the difference there is that most of the atheists i know are working toward a more equitable future in life for everybody not just themselves where it seems like a lot of the people who follow trump and are in that tribe or that frame of mind are really only in it for themselves right and 
that they don't really have any concern about anybody else but themselves. Ultimately, ultimately, it seems like a much more selfish, self-centered way of thinking and viewing the world around. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually glad that you took me seriously oh. and said that because I think that's a big point. I was just joking about oh. the atheist group. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I happen to wear, like them. Yeah. Uh, but as far as groups go. Um, but yeah, Trump, Trump is definitely a narcissist and he's the leader of the narcissists, mm -hmm. you know, the people who can't see outside of their own little tiny box. Mm -hmm. And that's why they all snap like thin skinned. You know, if you're not exactly like me, then you could just fuck off. You know, there's no, there's, you know, you were talking earlier about how you can't imagine being around or, or no, that, that there's not even any thought given to, you know, if, you know, somebody has different skin color or any of those different attributes, it's not, it's not even about giving a, th they're not even, as far as I can tell, they don't even think those thoughts that, that not, e not even a consideration that they should value those things mm -hmm. or could, mm -hmm. it's just me, 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 a hundred percent, you know, and other races are out for themselves. So we got to get ours. Or they'll take it. Well, and it, and I think there's a lot of projection that goes on there too. Like oh, of they, course. You know, they, the way that they handle themselves in interactions and the way that they've treated other people throughout their entire lives, they feel that when those other people that they've put down and marginalized for centuries, if those people were ever to come into power, well then, yeah, it would be that they're going to wipe out the white people. That's, that's not how the world works or that or, or how it should work. And especially for those people who have been marginalized their entire lives, they know that that's a bad thing. They don't want that to happen to other people. They're working toward, uh, like I said, a more equitable place for everybody. They, they want to ensure that everybody has the same opportunity to advance their lives and to be happy and prosperous and, and surround themselves with, loving friends and support systems and community and make the place better for everybody instead of just themselves. And I know that there are certain elements on, on the extremes of both the left on both on the right and the left that take things way too far. Sure. You can say that, you know, for, for certain circumstances, PC culture and SJW activism and culture, you know, oversteps its bounds. And I think that the people in those groups can also recognize that and say, no, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, what you're complaining about right now is, is a little bit ridiculous. Like you, you're, you're reading way too much into this. You're overreacting. You're, you're being reactionary. Um, and really there's no issue here. You need to lighten up a little bit and no, no harm was intended or meant. There was no ill intent. There was no mal, you know, uh, no malice behind the action that this person was taking, maybe they misspoke or you're just reading too much into this. You're taking it way too personally. It's not something that you should get so upset about. And I think definitely that it can be taken way too far on the left, but the instances I see of that versus what I see on the right, there's no fucking comparison. There's, there's no like the, both in the amount and the not intensity, uh, Basically, just the amount and I guess maybe the intensity. That's not the right word, but they're they're not equal things. 
And in particular, when you view it through the lens of who's trying to improve life, the lives of everybody involved, and it's certainly not those on the on the far right no. versus those on the far left. Right. Yeah. The people on the right are concerned with them. That's what we were just saying. They're concerned with themselves mm-hmm. and making their own lives better, um, even though I still don't know what right wing policy would do that for them. Unless they're billionaires, in that case, you could benefit pretty great greatly by right wing policies in this country for sure. Yeah, but you'd be an asshole. Yeah, you still would be an asshole to vote for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you could afford to live under a democratic president better than everybody else around you. Still, well, and how much is enough? You know, how much? How much money? How many possessions? How much land? Homes? Cars? I I think. It's is, never is it enough. Never, is it never enough for I, some people? I think, I think it's never enough. Like I, I mean, it goes all the way back to the pharaohs and everything, right? Like it's never. There's never been enough for for humans. Do you think that's? I wonder. I wonder where that comes from. It, unless it's just being narcissistic and sociopathic. You know, if. Well, I guess. I guess I just answered my own question. I mean, normal, ordinary. You know, people who are well-adjusted don't do that, don't require those things. They're not always trying to one-up somebody else. They're not always trying to be the richest or have the most things or have the most, you know, the, the most whatever. They're they're content with what they have. And, well, I, and they, they can look back at their lives prior to where they are now and see how much improvement there is and, and be content and happy where they are you know, still trying to improve in different areas and of course always be better, but helping other people along at the same time. It's, it's that level of compassion and empathy that I just don't see coming from many people on the right. Yeah. Which I think comes a lot. Well, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. Unless poor people on the right are, can, are staying conservative because for other reasons, which is probably true. I think there's, I think there's, a they're multi- not voting. Yeah. There it's the racism and the, um, the fear of change and yeah. all of that stuff that appeals I, I to think them. It's, I think it's racism. It's fear of change. It's, I think a lot of it is a lack of education. A lot of it is just pure fucking stupidity. Like they just, they don't know any better. They don't know that there's a better way. And they, and they're so, fucking gullible and i think a lot of this stems from uh, uh religion's influence on a lot of people that they just believe what people oh, that's in power the other are thing. telling them it's religion yeah. connected to the right that's another reason why they vote for it yeah because it's the party of jesus <laughs> well but i think i think one of the biggest things is that they've been taught their entire lives that the people in power are the ones who are looking out for them and are protecting them they've bought this narrative that you know, of course, nobody in power would ever or very, very rarely use that power for their own personal gain. They're there to protect you. You need to have this authority figure above you. And that's something that they're indoctrinated with and trained through their entire lives to believe that somebody higher up, somebody better than them, somebody more wealthy, somebody who's traveled more, somebody who's more educated is there to lead them through the dark times and be their protector. And they see somebody like Donald Trump 
and say, oh, yeah, well, he's just a regular guy. No, he's not a fucking regular guy. He's never had a regular fucking job in his entire miserable life. He's He was born with a silver spoon and has had one permanently implanted in his ass. <laughs> There's nothing about this guy that equates to any of the normal circumstances that most Americans, most people around the world find themselves in all the time. Mm -hmm. He has never had to struggle in his entire life for anything other than getting more money from his fucking dad. He's never, he's never gone without, he's never been a poor, he's never worried about where his next meal was going to come from. He's never had to worry about where he was going to find shelter. He's never had to worry about any of those basic human needs. Not only is he never, it's not, it's not even not having to worry about where your next meal it, it, it's, he's never had to have a meal. He didn't want to have. He's only ever uh, had all the meals he's ever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, Every meal is, oh, where do I want to go to eat? Or what do I want to have right now? Or what is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a concern. <laughs> it's of, not even whether he's going to have a of, meal yeah, or not. Yeah. It's which best thing do I want for this meal? Yeah. Oh, my life is so hard. It's so hard to make these decisions. Yeah. It's like I say, though, it just, it bothers me that this has always been lurking below the surface and now is rearing its ugly head. Again. Yeah, again, still. Yeah. Again, still. And. It's just that disappointment of thinking things had gotten so much better and seeing that it was just a thin a thin veneer over the the piles and mountains of shit that are still out there that are dwindling and decaying and going away for sure, but nowhere nearly as quickly as I think everybody who is compassionate and empathetic had, had thought they would. And the funny thing is the whole irony of all this is that those are the people that are most likely to say that we don't need PC culture and SJWs and civil rights even mm -hmm. because everything's equal for everybody or whatever, right? That there's no, there's no difference in race or whatever in this country that there isn't. And yet they're the people that are proving the point. They're the people that prove that there are racial divides, that there always have been, that black people have been right all along, that this never went away. <laughs> yeah. And they're the proof of that. Yeah. Saying that, no, it's been gone for years. Right. We have had civil war. Civil. The civil war was so long ago. Forget about it or whatever. All yeah. that bullshit that they Slavery use. Slavery ended when? Yeah. So long ago. Yeah. All that. All that bullshit that they say. They're, they're the proof that it's continuing. Yeah. You know. It's, yeah. it's a strange irony. This is Dr. Dan, Matt's boss from the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. Oh, shit. Did I say rev- I mean revolution. Bloody Americans fucking up the language. You can edit that, right, Spike? Um, I have a moral challenge on this point. Answer me this if you think that morality comes from the supernatural, and we require celestial dictatorship permission for it. N name me a moral action committed by a believer or a moral statement or ethical statement uttered by one that could not be made or uttered by an unbeliever. I've asked this in a number of venues and forums now. I'm going to keep on asking it. I've not yet had an answer. If I was to ask anyone in this room, however, could they name a wicked action performed or a vile statement made by someone attributable only to their religious faith, there isn't a single person here who'd have to hesitate for a second in discovering what that was and saying it. 
Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. While we're on the topic of racism, uh, Dr. Daryl Ray has been a guest on the show previously. He's a fantastic guy, sex positive. Far too long therapist. ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, we should get him on the show again to talk about some more things. Uh, but uh, this story came to my attention from a post on his Facebook timeline. Um, and the story is posted out on the Patheos blogs from Michael Stone. It's titled, White Kansas GOP Official Tells Black Woman He's, quote, Part of the Master Race. It was dated yesterday, November 15th. Uh, racist Republican, Kansas County Commissioner Lewis Klemp is under fire after telling a black woman that he is, quote, part of the master race. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I just want to say, if if you're thinking about electing a white man named Lewis Klemp, don't do it. He's definitely racist. <laughs> During a routine during a routine public planning meeting earlier this week, Leavenworth County Commissioner Kemp addressed an African-American woman, Travis Pendleton, a city planner with the Kansas City Consulting Company, Vario, who was making a presentation to the commission. Addressing Pendleton, Commissioner Kemp said, quote, I don't want you to think I'm picking on you because we're part of the master race. You have a gap in your teeth. We're part of the master race. Don't you forget that. What the fuck? That's that's incoherent racism. <laughs> Inco well, yeah, I, I guess it's coherent, but it's it's I don't understand what the gap in her teeth has to do with anything. Well, all black people have gaps in their teeth. And no white no people. No white people do, yeah. Right, right. That's how that David works, Letterman. Really. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who could floss with a knotted sock. <laughs> yeah. Who's famous for that <laughs> flossing with knotted socks. According to reports, Klemp was not happy with Pendleton's presentation when he made the offensive and openly racist remarks. When asked about his racist remark by a reporter for KSHB-TV, Klemp suggested that his remarks concerning the master race were only a joke, because that's something that you should joke about in a city council meeting. Right. To a black person. However, nobody was laughing. Responding to the outrage over Klemp's deplorable remarks, fellow commissioner Robert Holland said Klemp should resign. I was shocked. I was in disbelief. He should resign. I don't care if he's got two days left. He should resign. Oh, he only has two days left. Well, I'm sure it may not be long. Uh, and apparently this guy wasn't even elected. He was appointed mm. by other Republican officials. Holland said Klemp's racist remarks had nothing to do with the agenda, noting What's this master race? None of us are master race. We're all American and we're all human beings. Holland added that he was ashamed of Klemp's behavior and how it reflected on his county. I'm ashamed of one of our commissioners and what he has done. We shouldn't be labeled as Leavenworth County, the racist county. That's the way I feel we're being labeled. In addition, a second county commissioner is now calling for Klemp's resignation. Earlier today, County Commissioner Doug Smith said, in the best interest of the county, he should resign. This is not the first time Commissioner Klemp has made, has made racist remarks. Last year, Klemp praised Confederate General Robert E. Lee as, quote, a wonderful part of history, end quote, at a routine county meeting about holidays. According to reports, Klemp was not elected to his role as commissioner, but appointed by the Republican committee after another member resigned due to ill health. The bottom line, 
Leavenworth County Commissioner Lewis Kemp, a white Republican, told an African-American woman that he was part of the master race. And uh, like I said, Dr. Darrell Ray had posted this out on his Facebook timeline and has since sent a letter um, to the county commission that I'm trying to find here. Uh, He posted this 11 hours ago and said, I sent this letter to the chairman of the Leavenworth County Republican Party, Mr. Rhett Rogers. Rut row? Rhett Rogers? (laughs) Chairman Leavenworth (laughs) County Republican Party. Dear Mr. Rogers, this is Dr. Darrell Ray, lifelong Kansan and resident of Leavenworth County since 1978. You or people within your immediate sphere of influence decided to put Lewis Klemp in the position of Leavenworth County Commissioner. Mr. Klemp is widely known to have rabidly racist and white supremacist views, which he displayed publicly this week. He has also displayed his racism on other occasions in the past. The fact that you and or your colleagues thought it wise to put him in a position of authority to make decisions that affect all Leavenworth County residents is frankly puzzling. I am sure neither you nor members identify yourselves as white supremacists publicly, but your willingness to put a white supremacist in office seems to indicate that people making key decisions in the county party are, in fact, white supremacists or have strong sympathies in that direction. If none of the party officials have white supremacist beliefs, how did such a man ever gain your approval and appointment? Here are four questions I would like to ask you as Republican Party chairman. Number one, will we see a strongly worded condemnation of Mr. Klemp from the party, not just government officials? Number two, are white supremacists welcome in your party? Number three, what is the process by which Mr. Klemp was allowed to gain this position? Number four, what concrete steps are you taking to ensure that white supremacists do not have leadership roles in the Leavenworth County Republican Party? I will look forward to your answer to these questions. I will post this letter on my social media and in fairness will definitely give you equal and will and in fairness will definitely give equal exposure to your reply on the same media. Thank you for your time, Dr. Darrell Ray. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very nice letter. Those are the kinds of letters that you should send to your elected representatives and officials. Don't send them letters that say, fuck you, you fucking idiot, fucking hate you, you stupid motherfucker. <laughs> send them things with actionable items that they can take forward and, and reply to you and, and let you know whether they are going to do anything to actually address the issue. Don't just tell them you think they're dumb or that they're stupid shitheads who should die in a tire fire. <laughs> keep your letter to them uh rational reasonable and give them a plan of action or ask them questions about what their plan of action is going to be to fix the situation i think that was a fantastic letter so i i look forward to seeing any response from that guy if he happens to send it can you tell him to die in a wire fire and, <laughs> and what about a mire fire and Daryl Daryl later commented and said, update, I sent this as an open letter to the Leavenworth Times. The editor just called to confirm authorship. Looks like they may publicize the letter or uh, pub- publish the letter, I'm guessing, in the in the paper, which is awesome. That's That's fantastic fucking activism right there, people. That is what we should all be doing. Yes. And additionally... On still on the subject of race, did you mm. hear about the uh, security guard who was shot? It was a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy with a gun, but the good guy with a gun happened to be black and then got shot by a white guy with a gun who was also supposed to be a good guy. So, it might be confusing. 
A black guy with a gun is always a bad bad guy if the cops are coming in with no context, right? Into the to most police officers' eyes, I would say yes. That seems to be the case. So it's not it's not a clear cut example of good guy with a gun. Well, as far as the policeman who responded on scene, sure, yeah, but right, yeah, Pe- people, other people who um, may not have supremely racist tendencies as <laughs> members of the master race mm-hmm. may may not may not have you know acted in the same fashion. I'm guessing this is going to go the way that all, they all do, which is oh, um, yeah, yeah, you're, uh, yeah. Administrative leave, paid administrative leave, investigation. Yeah, well, why? Well, what happened? Well, he was uh, guilty of possessing a firearm while black. Yeah, yeah. This comes to us from CM- CMM. CMM. <laughs> CMMM. Uh, from CNN, it says, Hero security guard killed by police was working extra shifts for his son's Christmas. Jamal Robertson couldn't wait for his son's first Christmas. With a nine-month-old boy and another baby on the way, the 26-year-old security guard was working extra shifts to buy gifts for his son and his child's mother, family attorney Lee Merritt said. During one of his shifts last weekend, a gunman started shooting up Manny's Blue Room, a bar in suburban Chicago. Oh, that's where, of course, of course that's where it happened with Chicago. <laughs> that's, where all, that's where all the gangs are. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a murderer in Chicago. It's just terrible. It's awful. Witnesses said Robertson bravely stopped the shooter and pinned him to the ground. But shortly later, a Midlothian police officer shot and killed the security guard, leaving the mother of their child in shambles. Quote, a family member called me and told me, I just broke down crying in the bathroom. For a long time, I was in the bathroom, said Avante Booz, who's pregnant with the couple's second child. Their nine-month-old son, Tristan, is too young to understand what happened, but he knows his father is missing. He's just been calling for his dad, Booz said Thursday. Many community members are demanding answers as to why Robertson was killed. Well, it's right there in his name. He's a Robertson. Fuck. One man. I passed a couple of jokes because of the story, (laughs) but Jesus, man. (laughs) One major point of contention is whether Robertson was wearing anything with security written on it. While witnesses said the guard was wearing clothes that clearly identified him as security, Illinois State Police, the agency now leading the investigation, said Robertson was wearing plain black clothing with no markings readily identifying him as a security guard. Witness Adam Harris told CNN affiliate WGN that Robertson, quote, had somebody on the ground with his knee in his back, with his gun in his back, like, don't move. Merritt lauded Robertson as the quintessential good guy with a gun for stopping an active shooter, but he still had to face the reality of being a black man in America, Merritt said. Illinois State Police described the events differently. Quote, according to witness statements, the Midlothian officer gave the armed subject multiple verbal commands to drop the gun and get on the ground before ultimately discharging his weapon and striking the security guard, Illinois State Police said in a statement. Midlothian Police Chief Daniel Delaney described the shooting as, quote, the equivalent of a blue-on-blue friendly fire incident. The Robertson family's attorney disagreed. Quote, If this was a case where they saw this as friendly fire, as if a police officer was shot, then this would be handled much differently, Merritt said. Mm-hmm. There would be more transparency. Specifically, Merritt said authorities should identify the officer. Quote, 
It's important to put that name and face out in the public spectrum because it allows the community to report if this officer has a history of brutality, he said. That information certainly becomes relevant for any future criminal proceedings. Midlothian Police Chief Daniel Delaney has not identified the officer, but said he is a white male who has worked with the department for about four years. And I read another story that said he's been an officer now for seven years, three with a prior department and four with this particular department. Mm. Per standard policy, the officer is on paid administrative leave pending the outcome of the state police investigation. Quote, what we have also learned is Jamel Robertson was a very brave man who was doing his best to end an active shooter situation at Manny's Blue Room, Delaney said in a statement Wednesday. Quote, the Midlothian Police Department is completely saddened by this tragic incident and we give our heartfelt condolences to Jamel, his mother, his entire family, and his friends. There are no words that can be expressed as to the sorrow his family is dealing with. Booze, now grappling with the reality of raising two children without their father, is already thinking about what she will tell her children about their dad. He was a good father. He was a hero, Booze said. I'm going to tell them when they get older, when they get real older, what happened to their father, that he was a hero and he saved a lot of people. I just can't. And where is, where is the outrage from people on the right about this? You know, they, they get pissed off at Colin Kaepernick and, and players in the NFL for taking a knee because of incidents like this, saying that there's no need, they're disrespecting our, our first responders, they're disrespecting our troops, they're disrespecting our country. Where are they when shit like this happens? Yeah, I, I don't even think they understand that it's about this kind of thing. You know, I, I honestly don't think that, I think they just see a millionaire taking a knee during the flag and... And that's it. They, yep. yeah. yeah, they have no context. Yeah, because which... Fox isn't reporting everything. They're, Fox is feeding them the information that Kaepernick is disrespectful to the troops. Yeah, but not that I want to be fair to Republicans, but <laughs> I mean, but this is a good guy with a gun scenario. Yeah, and and the thing is, this one, if they if the cops came into this situation the way they said they did, with an armed guy on the you know kneeling on the back of another person then they pointing a gun at them yeah sure, then, sure, then yeah. they wouldn't actually know what was going on or who was who you <laughs> yeah well and i've read i've read two or three stories about it so you know just about just about everything i've read from witnesses who were there said that he did have uh security you know clothing on that identified him as security uh, one, one article said that he had a hat on that said security on it, which, you know, depending on mm -hmm. the situation, when you arrive, you know, are you looking at his back from the side, mm -hmm. from the front? Can you see the word security? Did he have a shirt on that said security? Um, but that also that, that even beyond that, that there were multiple people in the bar who were screaming at the officer multiple times mm -hmm. that that guy's a security guard, that guy's a security guard. Don't shoot, don't shoot. He's a good guy. The guy that he's got is the bad guy. He's he's with security. He works here. You know, don't shoot. And that maybe the officer just had tunnel vision and saw, you know, a, a person on top of another person on the ground pointing a gun at them. And, I mean, until we know the results of the investigation and, and more information about it, it could just be the case that, you know, the officer saw it, walked in, saw that, and figured, well, I have to stop this person before they shoot and kill yeah. this person that they have on the ground. But, 
That's that's where you've got two conflicting, uh-huh. you know, you've got the conflicting stories on either side, and I, I hate to be uh, a pessimist, Debbie Downer kind of guy about it, but I mean, historically, we've seen that the police departments just fucking lie about this kind of thing over and over and yep. over again. That's that's exactly what my point was going to be. Is that in this case, you can see where it could be tricky. Yeah, if we hadn't seen it. Time and time and time and time and time and time again. Yeah. Day in and day out, we see this. Yeah. And and, and so this could be a case where even I would be willing to look at the police side and go and and benefit the doubt. But but I can't do that because of the history and not being transparent by departments all across the country, not even releasing his name. They're not willing to do that. They're not going to give any information about what was going on. And and the other thing is it's it's a bad I mean in I'm not an officer, but in in my mind there's at least a certain amount of this that is that is uh heat of the moment badly planned by the off, the shooting officer, right? Cuz either it, even if you come in and you assume that the security guard's the bad guy, Mm-hmm. How long has this situation been going on since the call was made? You're in Chicago, right. so let's say yeah. five, ten minutes, somewhere in there, for them to respond, and no guns, nothing's been, no guns have fired yet, right? Well, they, I mean, it, it could just be that the only, the only information they had was that there was a, you know, active shooting at this bar, and so they respond, they show up, and they see, you know, they, they go in through the door, and they see someone on top of somebody else and they're pointing a gun at them. You know, I don't, I don't know what the call, what that's, that's another big problem is that dispatch is, is dispatch. And, and it's not even necessarily the dispatcher's problem. People who are calling in. Right. Yeah. But, but my point though, is that you come into this situation and you, you, you know, you can, you can either not pull your trigger and that the person you're looking at, might pull theirs, which they haven't done for minutes hmm. up to this point. Well, but you don't know that necessarily, right? You just you just arrive okay, after but, hearing that there's an active shooter. All right, fine. So so this let's just say that it just happened that he got him in that position. Yeah. Even though there's people yelling at the in the bar and everything. Um or you can decide to pull the trigger and definitely make sure someone dies. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I mean, hard, man. I, I and I'm not I'm not I'm not necessarily I'm not saying he did the right or wrong thing. Well, he did the wrong thing, but if that was the scenario, it's it's tricky, but he chose to go with the guaranteed death rather than at least well, and and you could flip that too and say he he went with the guaranteed death of who he thought was the assailant, right? Rather than not pulling his trigger and letting what he views to be the assailant possibly kill somebody while he's standing there and not acting, you know, like, like what if, what if, what Hmm. if it was a bad guy? Like, right. What, what if, what if the cop had stumbled into the bar and, and the person on top of this person on the ground pointing a weapon at them was in fact the bad guy. 
and the cops stood there and just watched the bad guy shoot somebody else, right? What kind of shitstorm would that bring down on the police? It's 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 a tough situation, that, but I do think there needs to be a lot more transparency. And part of the problem is that the police have made this that much worse for themselves by having such a lack of integrity in their investigations and in the mm. release of information about these things and lying about them over and over and over again and protecting bad actors that yeah. the public now has it in their mind that, of course, the police are lying. Of course they are yeah. because they've done it over and over and over again. And my first thought when you said was that he spent three years at a different department was, OK, who did he kill? And they moved him to somewhere else. <laughs> that could be. Yeah. Because the the American police are the Catholic priests. Well, they just, they don't get fired. They just get moved around to another department. Yeah. They get released from one department. You know, they've got an active investigation against them. They get released. They'll go to another department, whatever. Yeah. 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 So we're going to have to wait for more information about it. But I just, I thought it was just such a terribly tragic story. I mean, this young guy who's trying to do the right thing, who steps in, who bravely, I mean, This person had a gun out and was shooting and he intervened and stopped them and had them on the ground while he's working extra shifts to support his family in his kid's first Christmas and gets shot and killed because of that. It's just, it's a terrible fucking tragedy all around, you know, I just fucking maybe, maybe if we had laws that made it that much more difficult for random fuckwads to have a gun in the first fucking place, mm-hmm. he'd still be around. Yep. That's, that's the number one problem in all of this because the, as you were saying that, you know, you flip the argument around and what if that is the bad guy on top and all of that stuff. I think that's, I think that's the exact thought process that they're going into when they enter the room Yeah, is you know, first bad guy I see I'm killing because I don't want to have that hanging over me, which is a problem that they're, that they're trigger happy, which they are. Yeah. But it's also a problem that they have to deal with people who could just be killed right in front of them or, uh, or have themselves killed because there's so many fucking guns, mm-hmm. uh, and so many assholes that, that have them. Yeah. If, if it were, you know, if it were if it were a lot more difficult for bad guys to have guns in the first place, then maybe they wouldn't have the assumption in their head that anybody with a gun is automatically a bad guy, right? Yeah. If if they if it were really really fucking difficult for people to get guns, to where it's the case that if you have a gun, more than likely you are one of the good guys, then maybe they wouldn't be so fucking terrified of everybody who has a gun in the first place. They wouldn't want, they wouldn't walk into some place and automatically see somebody with a gun and identify them as a bad guy because they have a gun. If it's more difficult to have guns in the first place where it's only the good guys who are supposed to have the guns and can get access to the guns and it's, it's, it's a rare thing that people other than the good guys have guns, then maybe we wouldn't have good guys with guns getting shot. No, no, no guns. Just get rid of them all. Cause that's. <laughs> That's, there's no way that, I mean. Well, but do you see what I'm saying yeah, though? Like, yeah, like, sort of. But I mean, there's just going to be such a huge black market and the, I, I just, it becomes too complicated. I just get rid of them all. Yeah. That'd be complicated too. Yeah. That's <laughs> impossible actually. From my cold dead hands. Yeah. 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 That guy is dead it's now. It's never right? going to happen. <laughs> isn't, isn't Heston dead now? Charlton Heston? Yeah. He's, I yeah. think so. Yeah. He's got to be. I wonder if anybody's pried that gun from his cold dead hands. 
One would hope. I hope so. Hmm. Hey, all you dirty cis people out there who think you run the world. This is the trans podcaster, Marissa Alexa McCool, coming to say that you should go sit in the corner and listen to other people talk. And the people you should listen to are the godless revolution folks, because they're the good kind of cis people. We don't have to shame them just as much. So you go ahead and listen to them, and then you come listen to us so we can tell them why they need to apologize. I just can't shake the feeling that I did something wrong. Okay? Like, I, I'm getting away with something. Like, I robbed a bank. I, I feel like I sinned. Which is weird, because I don't even know if I believe in that. Ooh, sounds to me like you are expanding your mind. I had a conversation. I had too many drinks. I did something I never thought I'd do, and now I feel like a different person. Oh, good. No! That's not good! What part of that is good? I liked who I was. I want to be that guy. You need to lose yourself to find out who you are. That's exciting. It's not exciting to be floating on a blue marble in an infinitely expanding universe. Where's it going? What's on the other side of the expanding? Infinite universe. Fuck! I know. No! Yes. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! So you said you were ready, so now I'm saying, what else you got for us? Uh, I thought I'd do something lighter that was oh, okay. topical. Yay! In the Freddie Mercury biopic bohemian rhapsody there's a scene in which a family member scolds mercury did you say biopic mm-hmm. <laughs> okay it's not a biopic no okay <laughs> it just <laughs> sounds like sounds like he's like terminator or something it's okay. biopic fucking cut <laughs> <laughs> uh no actually you know what's funny about that I know, I know that the last time I saw this word, Ryan said it uh-huh. and he said it wrong and you did the same thing to him. And I'm like, fuck, which one is it? Is it biopic or is it biopic? Or <laughs> I, I thought in my mind, it seemed like it was the one that made less sense when you read it uh-huh. and it looks like a biopic. Uh-huh. So he must've said biopic. That would be my guess. Yeah. So... <laughs> I, I was thinking about it and I'm like, it's anyway, <laughs> I'm sure I'll look it up later and it'll be that you're, you're absolutely correct that it's uh biopic. Probably not. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, <laughs> didn't mean to derail you. Yeah. I'm in this chair. I'm in the derailment chair. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Please continue. <laughs> um, well, this is definitely a lighter story so far. <laughs> uh, there's a scene in which a family member scolds Mercury saying, so now the family name is not good enough for you. Uh, I changed it legally, Mercury responds. No looking back. Might come as a surprise that to some that Freddie Mercury was born Farouk Balsara. He came from a Parsi family that had roots in India and he was a Zoroastrian by faith. Really? I didn't know that. In the world religion courses, uh, I teach at University of Florida. This is from 
somebody whose name I didn't put on here. Uh, I'm just impressed you're using an electronic device for for stuff. That's awesome. Oh, thanks, man. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Are you sure you don't want the derailment chair? Yeah. <laughs> uh, fleeing religion, fleeing religious persecution from Muslims in Persia, sometime between the seventh and tenth centuries, the Zoroastrians settled in India, where they uh, came to be called Parsis. Like Freddie Mercury, they worked to integrate into their new surroundings. Yet they also stayed true to values, beliefs, and practices of their religion, which many scho- uh, many scholars say had an influence on Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. The Zoroastrian faith is one of the world's oldest religions, one that could date back as far as 1200 BC. They worship Zoro, Zoro right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think he was that old. I thought it was a newer, newer story. But Antonio Banderas? Learned something every day. Yeah. The gay blade. Gade. <laughs> Zoroaster, a prophet who lived in modern-day Iran, is viewed as the founder of Zoroastrianism. It's isn't that it, it's so interesting how coincidences like that line up, you know? Hmm. What that the founder of Zoroastrianism was named Zoroaster. That is really weird. I mean, it's like it's like it's like some other things. <laughs> it happens. It happens occasionally, but like Joseph Smith wasn't Joe Mormon, right? You know, so yeah. it doesn't always happen. But well, it's based on that that guy that 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 guy that Joe talked to, right? Moroni. Yeah. No. <laughs> no Mormon. That guy. That person. Mm. Mm. Uh, we're not sure when Zoroaster lived, though some say it was around 1200 BC. He's thought to have composed the Gathas, the hymns that make up a significant portion of the Yasna, which are the liturgical texts of the Zoroastrians. According to the Zoroastrian tradition, Ahura Mazda is the supreme lord, lord and creator. He represents all that is good. In, that, in this aspect, the religion is one of the oldest examples of monotheism, or the belief in one god. The main tenets of the faith center on the opposition between Ahura Mazda and the forces of evil, which are embodied by Angra Mainyu, the spirit of destruction, malignancy, and chaos. This evil spirit, uh, spirit creates a serpent named Azi Dahaka, a symbol of the underworld, not unlike the biblical serpents of Judeo-Christian traditions. Within the cosmic battle, we see the tension between Asha which roughly translate to truth, righteousness, justice, or good things, and druge, or deceit. Truth is represented by light, and Parsis will always turn to a source of light when they pray, uh, with fire, the sun, and the moon all symbolizing this spiritual light. Um, scholars have noted the strong historical influence these Zoroastrian, that Zoroastrianism has had on concepts seen in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Whether it's monotheism, the duality of good and evil, or Satan. Satan? <laughs> Today, Zoro- Zoroastrianism, Zorio? Zoroastrianism. Mm. Zoroastrianism has a small but devout following, though it's been shrinking. In 2004, it was estimated that there were between 128,000 and 190,000 uh, 
living in the world with 18,000 residing in the U.S. Whoa, really? Hmm. Uh, the Kisa e San John, which translates to the story of San John, was composed <laughs> around the 7th century. You'd think they'd just say it, right? Yeah. You'd just call it the story of St. John. Jesus. Uh, it describes how the Zoroastrians fleeing religious persecution from Muslims, Muslim invasions in their Persian homeland many centuries earlier head to uh, Gujarat in western India. Once they arrive, they... Oh, Sorry, stupid fucking electronics. <laughs> Once they arrive, they reach out to a local king whom they call uh, Jadi Rana. He agrees to give them land if they adopt local dress, language, and some customs. However, there is never any question about religious faith. They still practice their religion, and Jadi Rana is elated that these newcomers worship as they please. Um, in one, when the Zoroastrian refugees arrived in Gujarat, the king sends them a jar of milk filled to the top, his way of saying that his kingdom is full and there's no room for any more people. In response, the newcomers, newcomers stir in a spoonful of sugar and send it back to the king. In other words, not only do they promise to integrate with the local population, but they, they'll also enhance it with their presence. Mm. In the other version, they drop a gold ring into the bowl to show that they'll retain their identity and culture, but they'll nonetheless add immense value, immense value to the region. Hmm. These are both compelling narratives, though they like, though they make slightly different points. One extols the integration of immigrants while the other highlights the value of different cultures living together, but in harmony. Parsis in India and wherever they have gone have done both. They've adopted some of the customs of the land they live in while ma maintaining their distinctive culture, religious rituals, and beliefs. They've also made more cultural contributions than the initial wave of refugees to Gujarat uh, than the initial wave of re refugees to Gujarat could have ever imagined. Despite their small numbers, Parsis can count a number of famous musicians, scientists, scholars, artists, and entrepreneurs among their ranks. And they name off a whole bunch, none of them I've ever heard of and can't pronounce. <laughs> Freddie Mercury's family were migrants. Their first home was in India, but they moved to Zanzibar before finally settling in England. Like his ancestors, Freddie Mercury integrated into a new culture, uh, changed his name, and, began, and became a Western pop icon. Yet through it all, he remained immensely proud of his heritage. I think, I think what his Zoroastrian faith gave him, his sister Kashmira Cook explained in 2014, was to work hard, to pers uh, persevere, and to follow your dreams. Hmm. That's a very, very nice story. It's, uh, it's a champion of the people story. It's very nice. He's just, he's just, he's just a guy seeking to integrate and entertain the masses. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> That's man, good. A man who rose above his looks. He was not an attractive person. To me, anyway. I'm sure, clearly, there were other people who found him attractive. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show that we received some feedback from one of our listeners. Mr. Uh, Marius Kotbutrakowski sent us a message uh -oh. on our Patreon page. He said, hey, I'm catching up after returning from exile and heard about the farting puppy, sharing it with my partner. She's a certified assisting dog trainer and suggests visiting a veterinarian 
because farting a lot can be a sign of some kind of health complications, potentially dangerous to this puppy's health. Thank you very much for the concern. That was, that was very nice. Um, we, we take all of our dogs to the vet all the time, you know, for their regular, uh, vaccinations and checkups and everything. And then whenever we get a dog or a puppy or cat or anything, we take them in for an examination and to introduce them to the vet that we always go to. And, uh, I think first the farting is, has gone way, way, way down and they are nowhere near as smelly as they were. I think there were a couple things going on. Uh, first was that he was in a different environment. You know, he's, he's been moved from one home to another. There are a couple other dogs, people he's not familiar with scents and places and things that he's not accustomed to or familiar with. He's nervous. And then that we also changed his food when he, when we got him, I can't remember what food they were giving him initially, but it was just like stuff you get at the grocery store. Um, and we, we always try to get super good food for the dogs. I, I, I buy natural balance. I think it is natural balance. I think it's natural balance, but it's a limited ingredient dog food where there's like, it's, it's like sweet potato and venison, I think is the one we're giving them currently. Uh, but it's a very highly rated and good food. Our vet said, yeah, that's a good choice. And so I think it was adjusting to a new home and the new food. And when we first got him, not to be too gross or graphic, but his stool, his poop was very not firm. It was very mushy, kind of runny. Now it's now they're now they're good firm poops when he goes when he goes and the farting is cut way way down and he seems to be adjusting really well. He and Oliver are fucking adorable together. Like the uh, Ziggy just follows Oliver around like his little shadow, and he always you know Ziggy always follows Oliver around, watches what Oliver does, you know, does what Oliver is doing, except. What happens when Oliver zags? <laughs> then, then they, then they are at uh, loggerheads and and collide with each other. Um, but they, yeah, they they get along super good or super well. Um, Ziggy always has to be around Oliver. Like I said, he he like mimics the things that Oliver does. I keep trying to get what is like the most fucking adorable picture, uh, and it happens like every other time before we go to bed when I let them outside. And I let them out the back door, out onto the little patio out there, and they go out onto the grass. And Oliver will go ahead. You know, Oliver's in the lead. And then Ziggy's behind him. And when Oliver stops, Ziggy stops. And then Oliver will lift his leg and start peeing. And Ziggy will lift the same leg, just like staring at Oliver and watching him and lift the same leg and pee. (laughs) It's just, it's fucking adorable. Like they're in a line and you can see Ziggy just watching Oliver like, oh, yeah, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. And... You know, we have where Tracy has little beds for the dogs in her office. She she watches them most of the day. She has a much larger office than I do. It was a trade-off because I could have the studio and my small office, and then she's got a very nice large office. But she So she watches the dogs all day, and she's got beds for them in there. And it doesn't matter which bed Oliver picks to lay in, Ziggy will wait until Oliver basically falls asleep and then Ziggy will get up from wherever he's laying down and go and curl up like right next to Oliver. And, you know, basically two dogs in a little bit in a bed that's already too small for Oliver. And Ziggy goes over and crowds in. It's just, it's fucking adorable. They're both just, they're super cute together. 
So they're both getting along very well, and the puppy's very healthy. But thank you very much for your concern and the, and the suggestion. That was very nice of you. Uh, that will wrap it up for us this evening for the regular portion of the show. Regular. The regular portion. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters, as we always do about this time. And that would be... I just closed the goddamn window. <laughs> our Patreon patrons are Alan Firth. Numania. Christy Kalbach. Gathius. Larry Wilson. Hey, you're going to get it right every time. That's because right. Because you just I have to go after me. I won't be stomping on you. <laughs> Steven Andrus. <laughs> Let them eat coffee. Two skeptical chips. Michelle Short. Vanessa. Freethinker215. Captain Samples. A new Patreon supporter. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. Uh, Utah Outcasts. Janet Uter. Marius Kot Butrakowski. Wes Aaron. Andrew Vodapich. Taylor Grin. Angelica Pearson. <coughs> Did I say that right? I'm sorry. Angelica Pearson. <laughs> Jeremy Goodson. Brandy Hamrick. Megan Kennedy. The Foz. Jeff Peterson. Jesse Pointer. Savita Kuna. And the Purple Dragon. And the Purple Dragon. And the Purple Dragon. Thank you all very much for your support of the show. Yes, if you would like to become a Patreon supporter, and we would encourage you to do that. We like when we get Patreon supporters. That makes us very happy. So long as you can afford it. Yes. You can go and do that by going to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution, where you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, where you get all kinds of fun stuff. You get uh, extra clips of the show, extra episodes, longer episodes. You get them earlier than when the regular show was released. And you get our our eternal and extreme gratitude for you doing that. You help you help make the show go, so we really really appreciate it and want to encourage you to do so. You can also make suggestions for upcoming shows. I, I got your messages, Kevin. I'm sorry I haven't replied yet. I will be doing so soon. I've been swamped. Thank you very much for the suggestions. Um, we should get you in the studio and talk about one or two of those things. That would be awesome. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Or Turkey Day, or however you choose to celebrate the holiday known as Thanksgiving here in the United States. For those of you outside the United States, I hope you are doing well and have had a great week as well. And so until next week, if Jesus comes back, crucify him again. <laughs> Leave a review to achieve a swamp-free America. And as always, rate the show five times a day toward the master race. Oh. Well, I didn't say which race that was. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs>